Hi there. It's me, Laura Wasser, the divorce attorney and the founder of It's Over Easy, the online divorce service. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, shepherding people through what may be one of the most terrifying times in their lives. Along the way, I often have to remind people to lower their expectations. When dealing with matters of the heart, rules simply don't apply because all's fair in love and war. So welcome to the All's Fair podcast. Fasten your seatbelts and let's go. Welcome to All's Fair with Laura Wasser. I'm Laura. And I'm Johnny Rains. Welcome to our show. Johnny, do you remember the opening scene from the movie Love Actually? Actually, I've never seen Love Actually. Johnny. It starts with all of the characters from the ensemble cast of the film at the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport in England. Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion is starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. God, that scene, it gets me every time. I actually, like, tear up. (laughs) It's refreshing to know that even after doing thousands of divorces, you're still a softie when it comes to love. This is true. You'd think I'd be more jaded, but part of the reason I do what I do is for the realizations and reflections I get working with clients And how that allows me to have new impressions regarding love in all of its forms. Relationships make the best content. I mean, from the movie Marriage Story to this podcast to our Insights blog on It's Over Easy, relationships make good story. I guess that's why The Bachelor is still around, though it didn't make Esquire's list of the best shows of 2020. I'm like a little bit curious about Esquire's list of the best shows of 2020 because some of them don't really seem to me to have that much to do with relationships. But in any event... I mean, Schitt's Creek, awesome. Yes. That totally does. And how those, those family, relationships are amazing. And how their circumstances changed how they all relate to each other. Yeah. And then that show on Netflix, The Circle, I mean, that takes dating relationships in a whole new direction. My kids binge watch that on spring break. I do not understand. <laughs> the Good Place, Hunters on Amazon, which I've heard is amazing. And The yes. Outsider on HBO, which I I binge watched. I don't know how much that has to do with relationships, though. But anyway, it was awesome. Esquire says those shows are the best on TV so far. But stay tuned, because today we're going to give you a sneak peek of what you'll be loving next. And to tell us all about it, let me introduce you to our guest. He is the Emmy Award-winning actor you've seen on the big screen and the small screen. He's also a writer, producer, and best-selling author whose book about parenting is one of the funniest memoirs of all time. He's a dad, a husband, and a client of our great friend of the show, manager Mark Armstrong. Welcome to All's Fair, Dan Bukatinsky. Johnny's a big fan of the shout out, if you haven't I noticed love that. It. Yeah. I love a good shout out. <laughs> shout out to Mark Armstrong. All right. So, Dan. <laughs> yes. This show, as you know, is mm-hmm. like about relationships and human nature and all that. And I was thinking about it this morning. We have not had, have we, Johnny, a, a dad, dad, Parent. No, you were the on. first. Okay. You were the oh, first. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm honored. So I'm gonna, we are too. I'm Thank you give, for joining us. Yes. Is this your first episode ever? 
Because <laughs> no. if I'm the first, and basically, it's the first episode, no, no, I know it's not, you're not the I first, I've but you're the first him. of this. I know. I mean, you know, Kim Kardashian has a, a, a heterosexual a husband. Yes. So no, do? you know what, Dan? You are the first. Okay, thank the you. First, yeah, yeah premiere episode. <laughs> So, okay, Dan, tell us a little bit about you. I would not have known this based on the name, but you're Argentinian well, and Jewish. Yes. Okay. And, um, yeah, you know. Julio and Miriam. Julio and Miriam. Okay. Shalom. Thank you. Exactly. Those are the, the most Jewish names. You... Actually, my mom's name was Maria. At the time that their families immigrated to Argentina, which right. is their parents from Eastern Europe, which is how that happened. Not so popular to be Jewish. Not so popular to be right. Jewish. And it's a Catholic country. And so everybody had to have a Latino first name. Okay. Huh. So all the Jews of Argentina, for the most part. Well, Maria, the, Cristina. Yeah, but they all have the funniest. I mean, it's right. so funny because it's like Jesus. Jaime Yagubsky, Julio Bukatinsky. <laughs> Pablo Bukatinsky, like all the first names are the Latin names we know, and right. then Schonberg. Right. You know, so there's, you know, the Argentinian Jews because they sound like Pedro and Pablo and Julio and Ramon, and their last names Rosenberg. are like Rosenberg. Right. Right. <laughs> is there a big Argent Jewish Argentinian community? Well, there is. I mean, I will say that at the time in in the 1930s and 1940s, when Eastern Europe was a shit show, I mean, more than the country is now more than the world is now right um there was only open immigration in new york city mm -hmm. and in uruguay and argentina so a lot a lot of eastern european jews wound up in south america at that time then ironically right after world war ii a lot of the nazis escaped <laughs> oh. to argentina so talk about like a melting pot right you wind up in argentina <laughs> with all of these hiding nazis as well as the you know the, the jews who escaped the OG Jews. apparently so. there's a lot of nazis <laughs> hiding in the united states too the tv show we we're just talking about yeah. hunters is yeah. like all about that it's amazing and we're growing some of our own which is exciting too <laughs> hey yay, yay. Okay. heirloom so so you went to vassar <laughs> I did. and in 2008 you married Don, your husband. Right. I okay. met Don in 1992, so we've been together for a, a very long time. Right. Um, I like to say I was 10 when we met. I was going to say, you so, look good. Thank okay. you. Yes. Thank you. But we, um, I was in my 20s, and we met 28 years ago. So I during think. you had that little four-month window when we allowed same-sex marriages for yes. the first time in California, and you rushed to the altar. We did also. I mean, Don was always very anti-marriage. Right. Always, always, always. Right. But then we had kids. Right. So we adopted kids, not as a married couple, and then it became legal to be married as a gay couple, and it felt really wrong that in the window where we could have gotten married, to the narrative to tell our kids that, yeah, we had the chance to get married, we just we it wasn't didn't. for us. Right. So did you suspect that it was not going to pass? No. Right. I didn't. I Johnny mean, we, and his husband got married during that same window. In the same window. window. Yeah, yeah, same window. Yeah, I mean, it was a period of time where you ran to, you took the opportunity while you still could. And we did. We got married on, you know, in our house. It wasn't a wedding, really. It was just us and our kids and a babysitter and Tom Arnold. <laughs> I know Tom. Sounds like did he a officiate? Party. He officiated. Uh, see, Who I'm the Tom that? Arnold yeah. of your wedding. Yes, How's that? More... I did. I did Johnny's twice. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Twice. Well, we'd had the commitment ceremony oh. in 2002. Uh, yes, and then in that window in 08, yeah. we got the civil yeah. uh, on Halloween and then had like a, a little uh, ceremony. ceremony. I like so that. So let me ask you this. Okay. Because I, I, I'm, I'm not anti-marriage, but I have two kids and yeah. I wasn't married to either of their dads and it was not important to any of us at all 
Is it one of those things? And I have many gay friends. I've actually officiated a couple of same-sex weddings because I give good wedding. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Sign us up. But I've asked, why is it so important? Is it like, what, this, like why does a dog lick its balls? Is it because we can? And so you want to do that? You like that analogy, don't you? <laughs> I was like, wow. Oh, dear. Really... <laughs> Sarah's going downhill very early on. <laughs> it's because gay dads lick their balls. And so just to try to make it all come full circle. Thank you. So, and because they can. Right. They, no. Um, it's a very good question, and it's a personal one. It really just depends. Right. Um, it felt like... If if you if you look at marriage as the creation of family, which you may or may not, which I don't, but you correct. do. Okay, we, we you know getting together with Don when we did, we always sort of talked about, and I was younger than Don, but one of the things that he always said to me, which I really stayed with me, he was not a guy who, when we met, was interested in marriage. He was like, the notion of having to commit to somebody for the rest of your life now in front of a lot of people just to hold you accountable feels so wrong, which now in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense right. when he was saying that. He was like, I think that when you're committed to somebody, you you sort of, in a way, commit to being with them today, and then you treat tomorrow as a new today. And every day, you sort of make that decision, maybe not consciously, right. not every single day. You're right. saying, good morning, and I'm committed to you today. You don't have to say that. But almost every day you wake That's up with That's why my relationships haven't worked never, out. I never said that, that in the morning. You needed to start your day <laughs> yeah. with a commitment. But in a way, you know, building a relationship, you don't think about what forever means right. because it's huge. And it's, yes. it's not something Daunting. that any of us yes. – Of course, none of us know what the next day is going to bring. So the notion – there's no better testament to wanting to stay with someone than to wake up every day and just – decide that day that you're still together right. for that day. Yes. And then you look back and you realize that you've accrued 12 years of today's. And it that's so much more romantic than stating 12 years ago that in 12 years, right. because I told a bunch of people in front of a lot of people in a legal document, I'm committed to it, then there's I don't have a choice. Right. That is less romantic. That said, we're together for 10, 11 years before having kids was even something that we decided to do. Okay. And when we did, you know, in addition to sort of becoming a family of two, we were becoming a family of three and then grew to a family of four. And it felt at that point that for us to, and again, it's a decision, to um, appear, integrate, mm -hmm. assimilate in a way that felt – a a little bit of normalcy right. for our kids right. who have two dads and there's no mom. There's already an, a lot to explain to the world right. that the more we resembled the conventional family and the more we could explain to them later in life that, you know, when we had the opportunity to marry legally, we wanted to form a legal family that included us being legal married couple. And so it really was about that. It wasn't it wasn't sorry fairy tale and romantic. Cuz here's the thing, I have to I ask myself why I got married almost every day. Well, maybe as part of that morning so commitment. So part of yeah. the problem is that I'm I'm now, you know, having to remind myself why right. I got married. So I, I better be able to sell it good to the, my daughter at the time that I do. But no, Don doesn't wear a ring cuz he doesn't like wearing jewelry. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like, you know what? Just wear it anyway. It, like it, it's good for the kids to look across a table. They're not going to see us 
touching each other or hugging each other or kissing each other or looking lovingly in each, into each other's eyes, that's over. So <laughs> Wow. We, so we now, you know, after 28 years, yes. it's, yeah. all, it's all shorthanded. Don't touch me. So right. Exactly. It's like, oh, not now. I'm making lunch. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. So if they're not going to see that, then at least like this gold band on your finger is a symbol. That's what I think. Okay. Don's like, they don't need to see a ring in order to, it's like the soap gets caught in the ring and, you know, it's all very practical. Right. Everything is just about practicality. And I think that even our getting married in a way was about taking an opportunity that would make the formation of our family something that felt practical and make our kids' lives easier when they had to listen to their friends talk about their married parents. Right. No, I definitely, I, I know my kids, you know, have because their parents were never married. That's always been something that they've had to explain. Not a big deal, no. but just like that's something that they've had to explain. Um, do your Have your kids ever gotten, it sounds to me based on the schools and where we all live, probably not, but have they ha- ever gotten a hard time about the fact that they have two dads? I can only remember recently there was a kid, at, and, and I think it was the beginning of this year, it was the first time that... Um, some kid who is a bit of a bully and has a lot of problems as it is was sort of looking for things to bug kids right which is really what bullies are all about they try to find a button and they push it right and i think that there was a moment where where he was sort of being trying to tease jonah about having two dads and how crazy that was right and jonah just wasn't having any of it no i mean i think he just was like what right i mean look around you right 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 Right. douche um yeah it was it was uh it didn't he didn't come home in tears over that and i think that we're luckily in a different time right speaking of being in a different time this is one of the interesting parts of that conversation i think is nowadays kids have no idea what came before like to your point about why you guys got married and the sense of sort of like the image you wanted to present by having the, the traditional family unit yeah. that nowadays kids, you know, have no idea that that was never a thing. Correct. We- I disagree. Really? I disagree. Having, as someone who has kids that are at kind of a still a smaller private school, I think maybe kids in the bubble that is Southern California right. And maybe Manhattan and maybe Chicago. Kids everywhere else. Anybody that tells you kids don't see colors, kids don't know what went before, they do. It's wonderful that when we turn on the TV, we can see same-sex couples making out and that as we see. Right there. I understand that. But I assure you that in other parts in this country, the majority of this country, they still know. They are still speaking out about it. And it is not all... Isn't this great? Kids don't even know that there's a difference. Hmm. Unfortunately, I'm yeah. just saying, do not be fooled because it can be a very rude awakening when you are traveling somewhere else and holding your partner's hand or traveling somewhere else in my in my situation and I have even a different last name from my kids, which yeah. could even be Good the point. case if I were married. It feels weird. Or just being Jewish. I mean, like, yeah. really, yeah. yes, definitely more for you, Johnny. You're black, you can tell. You open your mouth. You can tell you're gay. My accent. <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, and when you're with Michael and you're walking yeah, through an airport we were, or mall I'll tell you, hands. unfortunately, like to your point, which uh, we were just in San Diego for a, a birthday and we were walking down the street and I put my arm around him. 
so casually because, like you said, we live in this bubble, and somebody drove by and yelled "fag." Yeah, which the bubble doesn't extend past Orange County. <laughs> no, clearly, I know you don't. You forget that yes. that's something that can happen. Yeah. That's why you don't ever, don't ever take your your spouse's hand. I don't in private or in public, or put your arm around your spouse. There's no reason for it. That's what marriage is for. It's to never <laughs> touch another person. Now we know. I've just I've only learned that having been in it for 28 years. But there's nothing better than being able to just own your own body and not have to ever touch another one. Now, I, no. have, I have another question. And again, I can't even believe I'm asking it. But when you were talking about legally and wanting and practicality, I noticed you never mentioned God. Does God or religion come into the equation of this marriage family situation at all? No, I have married an atheist. Okay. A staunch and devout atheist. Uh-huh. And I grew up Jewish, but fairly... Uh, reform. Right. <laughs> I mean, I had a bar mitzvah. I take the kids once a year to high holidays. We right. celebrate Passover every year. Don's very open to us at least continuing the traditions that were important to me. Um, we celebrate Easter. God is doesn't come into the equation. Okay. Um, you know, and there are times when I sort of regret that. And there are times lately in particular, because I've got teens now, where I think Catholic School would be a really good thing for them to learn. I don't know if you could just opt into that, actually, Dan. Yes, I'm sure that, you know what? I, I've heard through the grapevine that especially in Catholic in the Catholic sect yes. and they'll in take, the Catholic schools, yeah. they have open, uh, there's a lot of empty slots. Yeah, these days especially. Um, yeah, no, God wasn't really a part of the equation, and Don was very atheist. Okay. And so we don't talk about the lack of existence of God in our house. We certainly have left it open for the kids to sort of find it if they mm-hmm. want to down the line, but they can't even find their shoes. Right. So ever. God is like <laughs> so a way down. Finding on the God list. is yes. going to be really tough. All right. So you wrote a book in 13, 12, 13. Yeah, 12, 13. I love the title. I have to admit, I've not read it, but I want to. It's called Does This Baby Make Me Look Straight? Yes. Confessions of a Gay Dad. What was the impetus for you deciding to write? How old were so was there the kid, even the, Eliza uh, was five ish okay. and Jonah was two, two and a half. Okay. And I had started performing essays with a group of writers and actors and performers in Hollywood in in in, in these um performance space and an event called Afterbirth. Stories mm-hmm. oh, you yeah. stories you won't read about in a parenting magazine. Yes. And for whatever reason, I had performed in many of them over three years. So chronologically, my stories started to build into for you know from the very beginnings of how we had our kids to the stories of them, Eliza as a one-year-old, and then getting Jonah, and slowly but surely, a chronology started to form right. in these pieces I was writing in in order to perform them, and. So, I don't know, I had six or seven of them that I performed in a one-person, I took, you know, I I rented out a theater, and I knew that this was the beginnings of something, whether right. it was a one-person show, whether it was the beginnings of a movie, the beginnings of a book, I didn't know what it was, but I performed six of them in a row in a night. Right. And at the end of it, everybody came up to me, and they were like, this is a book, this is a book. You don't want to do a one-person show. I mean, like, there's right. no bigger loser move than go off and try to do a, a one-person show. And I was like, good point. Um, instead, you know, why not try to make this into a book? And so I wrote more and I wrote a proposal and I just thought, I'll give it a try. This is the book that I wished had been around. Right. Right around now. Right. So I tried and it, and you know, it, it took a while, but we found a publisher and the editor and the publisher, they had just had kids. It really resonated for them. And I really wanted the stories to be about parenthood more than 
necessarily about being the plight of or the experience right. of right. gay dads. Right. It, our experience was clearly our experience, so some of it is about that. But what emerged was a theme the more I wrote that I had awakened in me a maternal instinct that I didn't realize that I was not going to just be a dad, that what I had was turning into was a mom and that you can be a mom, that anyone can be a mom. And what does it mean to be a mom and the definition of being a mom? All that stuff sort of emerged from the writing. Right. And so that sort of became what the book was about. And, and it was a very, very cathartic thing for me to write very, very honestly about my shortcomings as a parent, <laughs> which of which I have so many. We all do. Now, what, what, give me an example of what is your more maternal or mothering side? What were the things that came up in you that you define as momish? I breastfed my kids for four years. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how we can get more momish than that. You can't, really. I've had vaginal rejuvenation. Twice. I, twice. I, you know, I rub <laughs> all kinds of salves on my thighs. The stretch marks are ridiculous. They won't go away. So, I mean, what yeah. more do you want to hear? I don't know. What's the, no, essential uh, oils? Essential oils. Yeah, that's a big Bill Maher. <laughs> no, I guess, you know, Essential or not essential? That's exactly. the question. Only if there's 100% alcohol in them so that we don't get diseases. Let's not go down that road. No. Um, <laughs> coronavirus is not here. We're all very clean, I can mm. tell. Everybody wash their hands. It's amazing how well in. I can hear you behind your mask. It's amazing. <laughs> you guys really. You see the, the microphone uh, disinfectant. Disinfectant, yeah. yeah. Um, no, to answer your question, I guess it was this feel. Part of it was a feeling, a feeling inside me that, like, had I been able to breastfeed, I would have. Like, I felt so connected. And by the way, we adopted. A lot of it was a revelation to me because when we were in the process, of waiting for that baby to be born with our birth mom, right? I was in a complete panic. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is coming. I mean, we have, I've not related to this person. Like, how is this going to work? I had such kind of small minded fears about right. how can I like, what's this baby going to smell like? Cause right. it's not going to smell like me. I mean, so stupid. It wouldn't have smelled like you anyway, but no, okay. No, exactly. Mean, babies yeah. smell like babies. Right. The thing was the revelation when she was put in my arms that she could be no, I mean, it would have been no different right. had she come out of my own uterus, right. which is, you know. <laughs> well, that would have been something. It would have been something, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Are, are Eliza and Jonah from, are they related biologically in they any are. way? They are. Same really, parents? Same parents. And these As parents, it turns out. And these parents... No, in no biological way are related to you or Don. Nobody's sperm or... This is not a surrogacy situation. All of it's detailed with humor and panic in the book. Okay. Um, But I found myself caring about so many things. And I was the one who was sort of buying the bottles and, and taking care of the swaddle. Like I naturally was drawn... A, out of my Jewish neurotic fear of anything <laughs> happening. I was going to say, happening. it doesn't sound like you're maternal. It just sounds like you're Jewish. But yes. Okay, go You know ahead. something? You, it, it may be when push comes to shove and we go back over this whole thing that it really is one Jew's account of discovering a whole other human that he has to panic over. Like, I spent most of my life fearing my own death. Now I suddenly have to fear the death of this infant. There's right. your idea for your second book. This, yeah, I'm afraid it's going to be very similar to the first one. But I think the mater- what I call the maternal... I. I wound up being the dad who played a lot with the kids, right. but also wound up kissing the boo-boos and buying the band-aids and buying the clothes and knowing even knowing what size clothes they wear. 
to this day. Um, you know, Don is not that guy. And um, okay, so since I'm guessing you have friends um, who are same-sex couples, does that always happen? Does one take on the mom? Or again, if there's two women, I, I definitely have some girlfriends that have that the kids have two moms, and yes. there is one that's more the dad, in quote. Right. Does that always happen? I mean, I'm sure both people do things. I'm they not do. discounting anybody. Oh, no. and, and my Don's... kids' dads do mom stuff too, but right. is there always somebody that kind of pulls ahead in that, what we are calling in the 21st century, that role? I can't speak to, <clears throat> that's just too big of a population okay. for me to be able to answer. I In my um, anecdotal evidence- You don't know all the gay people? <laughs> it's amazing, I don't, you know? I know only a handful. <laughs> Three are in this room right now. <laughs> um, and then the rest I, is, is a question mark. Okay. No, here's what I've experienced, that um, in many cases, especially with two dads, the gay dads that I know, there are qualities in both that come out of both. Right. So, you know, there's something kind of traditionally dad-like about 50% of each, ki- of each of these guys. Right. So, yes, obviously the role of – the you know the person who feeds and clothes and is like normally what you would attribute to a mom has to be covered by the parenting duo anyway right but whether one person in some cases it is a, just a natural and sometimes it's about work too right. it's about someone more. someone agrees to stay home right. and they just take on those things and someone uh, is working or it's a balancing act in our case you know Don's got a, a more calm. Um, he's older than I am also. So he never threw a football in his entire life. Talk about, I don't think he's ever run in his life. <laughs> I mean, we will be running to catch a, a, a play and I can't get him to run. 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 Get- <laughs> we are going to miss it. I don't run. And that's just been the stock answer. I run. So right. I run with the kids and I, you know, I'm more likely to play with them. So there are ways in which I'm very much traditional dad also. Right. But in our particular configuration. We're very different about the things we care about. We come together about the important stuff, but the roles we take. And when I was shooting the Baker and the Beauty plug for which, oh, uh, um, no, but I was away for <coughs> on and off, but mostly away for four and a half months shooting in Puerto Rico. A lot of stuff fell to Don. And it was a good thing for me to learn a, that they couldn't care less that I'm not there <laughs> and B that he, he can do it he's in a un- pinch. Correct. He doesn't do it the way I do it, which right. is crucial mm-hmm. yeah. to right. note. Um, so therefore, he doesn't do it right. Right. But he does it. Or as well. As well. So you guys have a teenage girl. Yes. How is that having a teenage girl? I know I've got a teenage boy and I just, I'm constantly finding myself saying, ask your dad about that. Like, yeah. I don't know. Who it's does she ask? brutal. It's brutal. I can't, I don't recognize this human being that is in our home. And have you and Don talked about what are we going to do about this? Like, is there an aunt or a? There I mean, are. Oh okay. no, no, we have someone in our lives who has <clears> been with the kids since they were little, and that has helped. You know, a nanny who has been part of our periods life. and. Well, periods. Know. A lot of that stuff did fall to me. Okay. Um, you know, inadvertently, there's lots of it. I've learned about that. Yes. In that I didn't realize I didn't even know. I bet. Um, you know, and w- together we figured it out. But but godmother and. Uh, tons of aunts and Don's two sisters live in Los Angeles. Okay. I don't necessarily think that we did a lot of, you know, connecting Eliza to them no, to get just, those questions right. answered. But be- between school and nanny and godmother and aunts, there's lots of female energy in the house, not to mention two gay dads. There's lots of female, <laughs> female energy, energy in the house. Right. And I 
showed her how to put on, you know, just take the adhesives off the wing-tipped pads. How long did that last, though? Please tell me she's wearing tampons now. She is. Okay. She is. I was scared. I could come over. I mean, that's how important this is to me because when I went (laughs) to boarding school, I had to bunk with, not bunk with, but live in a building with, I think, 12 other women. Maybe. Right. And so, and we were all 16. Mm -hmm. And um, when women live together, they all start menstruating at the same time. Well, only me and the other young lady that was from Princeton, New Jersey, were wearing tampons. And I think we were the only ones that were not virgins at the time. Right. And these girls had been told by their parents, if you put a tampon in, you're you're no longer a virgin. So we quickly disabused them of that notion because all of those pads sitting around at the same time was fucking disgusting. Yeah. So we said, we're having a meeting. Look at Johnny's face. We're having a meeting. It's a (laughs) tampon meeting. We're going to teach you how to use a tampon. And they said, we will come to that meeting we will listen to you, assuming what you're telling us is true, that we're not losing our virginity, but you also have to tell us how to give blowjobs. That was the quid pro quo. Oh, wow. Adrian did that, because I've never been so great at giving blowjobs. But, you uh, know, the, she, the, they, and everybody everybody won. Put it that way. That sounds amazing. Yes. Well, guys, the guys won. Well, especially sure. them. A lot of guys yes, won. They won. I don't know if the girls won, but the everybody guys won. Everybody won. I can tell you right now, I will never, ever, ever be teaching my daughter how to give a blowjob. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, I don't. Th- I think there are other places she can go. She figured she out. Can call Adrian. Adrian. She can call Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? Stay tuned, everybody, because in the second half the of the episode. show. Wait, can you do the trailer voice for that, please? Sure. Coming, Coming up. up. <laughs> All right, Johnny wants you to move on. His most avid fans remember him as the writer, producer, and star of the hit indie romantic comedy All Over the Guy. I do remember that from 2001. Starred as, what was the character, Arthur, Johnny? Yeah. Arthur in second act opposite J-Lo. And you play a fastidious Southern preppy who has an MBA from Duke and worked with Lopez's character at Value Club as a team builder. I, I think did. I actually just saw that. Probably on the Didn't airplane. I realize that was you. It was on the airplane. It was seen a lot on the airplane. Yes. It's a great film. It's so funny. It is a sweet film. It was film. fun. It was a lot of fun. You also appeared in The Post starring uh, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Yes. And Under the Tuscan Sun and The Opposite of Sex. A wide panoply of subjects there. Yes. Let's talk about what's happening now. What's sure. coming out soon. Very exciting. Yes, on April 13th. I don't know when... We're going to do it before. Yeah. We're going to plug it yes, right before. Monday, April 13th um, at 10 o'clock after the new Bachelor spinoff. Listen to your heart. Baker and the Beauty, a romantic comedy family hour. Para todos. Para todo el mundo <laughs> is going to premiere. We're very excited. Um, it is Very much like Notting Hill in the sense that it's about what happens when two worlds collide. What happens when sort of like your regular guy winds up falling in love with for you know someone as famous as say J Lo and does does she say I'm just a regular girl standing in front of a no, no okay that, so was that from, doesn't happen that was Jerry Maguire wasn't that it? was Notting Hill no that was Notting Hill yes oh well then no yeah. she, we don't say that okay. in this in this and, and she, you play her you you play, play the, the manager, megastars manager the megastars manager okay handler. and in a way because of the way she was raised and because of the lack of parenting that she had my character who was the manager of her mother when she was a child act, a oh, model, okay. is kind of the, the father she never had. Okay. I mean, the father that she currently has. I mean, right. so it very it very quickly turns into a paternal relationship. Right. Um, which is what I loved about playing the part. It was, as a dad of a, of a 15-year-old, um, there is a lot about this 
role that allowed me to play not only sort of this barracuda, unedited, aggressive, smart businessman who is all about the business, but also has her heart in his hands right. and is really protecting her in the way. I keep referring to Mama Rose, but it's such an old reference. I guess I'm across. In this room, we, we get that. You get the Mama <laughs> yeah. Rose. Yeah. It's a Lohan parent. You know, it's a, I basically play a momager. Right, right. That's the best way. I mean, we were talking about being a mommy. Yes. I'm a mommy on TV, too. Okay. I'm a momager. <laughs> um, Listeners, so- we promised at the top of today's download, we have a sneak peek for you. And here it is. Meet the baker and the beauty. My name is Daniel Garcia. My life used to be pretty normal. And then everything changed. You want to ride? Daniel has a date with Noah Hamilton. <laughs> You're a baker? My dad has a place in Little Havana, but we all work there. She's a celebrity. They're not like us. They don't live in the real world. What do you want? I want what my parents have. It's magic. Is it always like this? Fame is hard on a relationship. Tell me everything and don't skip even a microsecond. While we met at the restaurant, there was something about him. Hey. Don't talk to me. Talk to her. She likes you. The Baker and the Beauty, series premiere Monday, April 13th on ABC. The Baker and the Beauty, (laughs) series premiere Monday, April 13th on ABC. So ABC's pushing this. Um, I actually saw a clip of it last night as part of the Bachelor finale, which is super cool. Yes. Did I hear an accent on her? Yeah, she's from Australia. She's Nat from Australia. Kelly is from Australia. Okay, and um, and it, he's and he's Cuban. He's, he... It's a Cuban American family, and the cast is is all Latino. I mean, she her mom is Peruvian. My parents are Argentinian. We did nothing but speak Spanish on that set. Our crew was we were shooting in Puerto Rico. No. It was kind of magical in that respect. We really immersed ourselves in Latin culture. The show is so is such a sweet and grounded, realistic look at a family in a Cuban American family in in Miami and food plays a role in the show as well it does i mean the bakery is a big part of that world mm-hmm. And the the cast, David Del Rio is the brother and Lisa Vidal is the mom and Carlos Gomez is the dad and Belisa Escobado. I mean, these are such amazing actors. And I was never in scenes with them. I mean, my stuff is really in the world of Noah Hamilton. But the family dynamic is so infectious and fantastic and it was it's there's a vibe that comes off of this show that I think will be unbelievably um, infectious for people to watch. And this was originally an Israeli series. They brought it over from this yes, very a, successful Israeli it's series. It's an Israeli format called the, the Beauty and the Baker. Right. And it's still on. And in fact, it's on Amazon if people wanted to just sort of get a sneak peek of what the world is. The Israeli version is on Amazon. Uh, should I not be plugging their <laughs> version of it? But it's very similar. In that world, it takes place in Israel and it's really about this Yemenite baker family in Tel Aviv Right. And this gorgeous model and how the baker and the family winds up falling in love with her. And and um, it's a format that just feels romantic in the Notting Hill kind of way. Right. But the family comedy blended into it is Huge. kind of what makes it feel like we're reinventing a genre. Right. Which is lovely in a way. And I was I think you can attest this. I was married to a Cuban briefly, but I'm still friends with his family and whatever. I think the Jews and the Cubans, yeah. super similar. Super similar. A right? lot of passion, a lot of- No holding back. No holding ever. back. Unedited. It will be discussed it's, at the table. Correct. <laughs> Things get discussed. Shit goes down. And um, it's sort of what the currency is of, of this show. Um, 
So we'll see. We're, we're very excited about it. And um, it's going to be on 10 o'clock on Monday nights um, on ABC. I love it. I did want to say that you had a recurring role as the president's chief of staff on the ABC drama series Scandal. As the husband of the chief of staff. Oh, the husband. The husband of the chief Correct. of staff. On Scandal. Most people will know me as James Novak from Scandal. Okay. And it was a life-changing- And you got an Emmy. I, I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. It was a, a life-changing experience being on that show and career, certainly career-changing. Um, Shonda Rhimes, I had met, I guess, when I did an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I then went on to write on the writing staff of Grey's Anatomy. And around that time, I was- offered this part as the husband of the chief of staff. No one at the time, the show had already premiered, and even the actor didn't realize that his character was gay, which I think until is awesome. Until he met you. Awesome, until he met me. <laughs> Surprise. Um, until You Meet Me is the title of my next autobiography. Um, but uh, it was kind of a fantastic way of introducing information that should be matter of fact right. anyway. And it, it, I thought it was going to be a couple of episodes. It wound up being close to 30, and it was... I will never forget it. I love that. Okay. And then you've also got a partnership uh, with Lisa Kudrow. For 17 years. Yeah. Amazing. So tell us a little bit about that, about the comeback and then web yeah. therapy, which your husband directed. Correct. We, um, we, Lisa and I started this company years ago. She was still, I think it was the last couple of years of Friends. Um, we are uh, producing partners. Um, and over the years, we have made and developed a bunch of different pilots. We uh, currently continue to produce our passion project, which is a documentary series called Who Do You Think You Are?, which traces the genealog uh, genealogical journeys for prominent people. We've done, you know, 10 seasons almost. Um, and we are returning to NBC this year, which is where we got our start. It's kind of unprecedented. We started at NBC, we got nominated for an Emmy, and then moved on to TLC, got nominated for a few more. And then after our run on TLC, we have been asked back to NBC. Wow. And it's going to be an amazing return. And Lisa and I produced that. We produce The Comeback, mm -hmm. HBO cult favorite, mm -hmm. which I was in as well. And is a favorite from for yeah. so many. One people. of my favorite shows on television it, of all time. I mean, she's just uh, mm -hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the comeback, season one was in two thousand five. Season two, nine years later, holds up is just as good. Um, and Don and and my husband Don and Lisa knew have known each other and collaborated on several films. She's been the star of at least three of the movies that he's written and directed. And um, and we've been very, very good friends for many, many, many years. And and in the early days of our collaboration, we started a show called Web Therapy, which wound up doing four seasons on Showtime um, and has, I mean, just over 100 amazing stars yeah. who lent their talents in this improvisational comedy with a therapist who's not worth, I mean, she's... <laughs> <laughs> the worst therapist. But on hilarious. The and I hilarious. love that it's also online. Yes. That you guys were really ahead of your time. I mean, we have a website called It's Over Easy yeah. where we do a ton of stuff online. People can get divorced online. People can yeah. get, you know, uh, information about therapy, all, mental health, all that. In the back of my mind, this whole time has been your show. Yeah. Well, web therapy at the time, it was 2008. Like there were very, very few things happening online. Right. I mean, a lot of businesses were <clears throat> happening online, but, but web series, the notion of doing a web series was always a bunch of pilots that didn't go that got cut up into little pieces right. and Lisa was like wouldn't it be great to do something funny that is actually lives online like people are doing so many things online that they should do in real life wouldn't the stupidest thing to do right. online <laughs> is three minute therapy during your lunch break right. at work 
And so she's, and then we started talking. Yeah, cut to next on Quibi. Correct. Well, exactly. <laughs> By the way, had Quibi been around in those days, we probably would have right. been on Quibi. But we were lucky enough to make this show for the web. And then we were able to repurpose it into half hours for Showtime for four seasons um, and had Meryl Streep on and Meg Ryan and Steve Carell and Conan O'Brien and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I mean, this That's is amazing. It, and everyone is so unbelievably funny on the show. And my husband, Don, was masterful at directing improv, right. which is not easy to do. Right. Um, we're very proud of that one. That's awesome. And then and speaking of groundbreaking, was Marry Me, which is an NBC show, and you and Tim Meadows play the Kevins, which are gay dads of Annie. Yes. That was, and that was a couple seasons. Was that one of the- No, we did one season. Oh, just one? Okay. Just one, but it was so much fun. David Casp was the writer, and he's so <laughs> talented. And Casey Wilson played our Annie, daughter. right. Um, and yeah, we were an interracial gay couple of uh, a daughter getting married, and- it was some of the most fun I've had on TV. And your names were both Kevin. We were the Kevins. We have the Rons that live across the street from oh us. Oh my God. It's right. more, and my husband's name is Don. So people are like, you guys are Don and Dan. And every time we introduce ourselves to anybody, they're like, oh my God, that's funny. You're Don and Dan. And we're like, yes, yep, we are. We are. We are Don and Dan. <laughs> but it happens a more times. Certainly when you're gay. Than you ever than would want. You would yes. ever want. <laughs> Actually, when I was a baby attorney, my firm has always done same-sex cases. Even before there was divorce, there was a lot of cohabitation. There were yeah. a lot of um, palimony cases. But I had an older partner. And whenever we represented same-sex couples, he just could not – he couldn't get their name straight. He would always call our client – the opposing party side, which was Great. really annoying to our yeah. client, and 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 they would always say like, "Can you? I'm paying you about seven hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Can how you much get more, my name right? How are much more do I have to me, pay to right, get our name? You're gonna right. keep calling me his name when I fucking hate him right now, and he's trying to take all my money. The Whose worst side thing, are you on? The worst thing you could call me is his name. <laughs> right, exactly. So thank you for that. My name is Laura Wasser, and this is All's Fair, the podcast inspired by the proverb, all's fair in love and war. Our show is about every kind of relationship, even the ones we watch on television and in the movies, particularly those. Today we're speaking about relationships on TV and the new romantic comedy series on ABC called The Baker and the Beauty. Our guest is the witty and brilliant series regular Emmy award-winning actor Dan Bukatinsky. Dan, what are some of your favorite shows streaming now and on TV about relationships? Well, that's funny you should say about relationships because a lot of the shows that I am drawn to um, are not about relationships because I'm in one and because I live in one and because it's, it's a daunting task every day to navigate marriage and parenthood. And so I, oddly enough, I you often- want to watch fantasy. I or, come yeah, home yeah. and I either want to watch a documentary series or a reality show. I do love, I'm just starting to watch, believe it or not, I'm late to the Shit's Creek of it all, but they're oh, so brilliant. Love. Yes. So funny. Love. And so wild. Like, you know, people are so afraid of broad comedy. I was a huge, huge Carol Burnett fan growing up. And not that it's as broad as that, but you do- I mean, comedy is comedy and it's funny for a reason. And Will and Grace is hilarious because it goes there. Right. You kind of want to go there in comedy. So Keep I, watching. I do love watching those shows. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Schitt's Creek goes there yes. for sure. Um, I'm now obsessed with this Netflix documentary series called Love is Blind. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? No, but oh I've heard. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, heard about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Right. It's a social experiment where people, you know... The Bachelor, whether you love it or not, is a show that is very specific to a particular kind of man and a particular kind of woman that want to play that out. Right. right. 
with cameras rolling right. and in front of each other. And it's it turns into its own kind of social experiment. Yes. This one has everything to do with whether or not people can find their soulmates without ever seeing them until they have committed. Okay. And so they have these day after day after day, they're in these little pods separated only by a very thin glass and they have conversations across that glass day after day after day, whether they, you know, and they, and they get drawn to people purely out of the tone of their voice and the conversation that, and the things that are being said. And it is amazing. how Do we, the viewers, see the people? Correct. We know we what they look like. We know what they look like. So we're like, don't do it. <laughs> Correct. We're <laughs> She's screaming. She's so ugly. We may sound hot, but. <laughs> exactly. She is biting off her. T- She's a cutter. She's cutting. She's pulling out her hair. This girl has no eyebrows. And we're it- screaming. No. <clears throat> the truth is. It- but are they honest? Not about their aesthetics. But like, again, if they were a cutter or like they were picking their eyebrows or whatever. I mean, are they at least portraying themselves? Because those are those are serious well, issues. Yes, are I they know. portraying I'm not, themselves? I'm not trying to make light, by the way, of <laughs> no. trichotillinosis or whatever those ailments are. Those are serious issues. I'm, my point is only that. <laughs> Dan you know, Bukatinsky, hater. <laughs> I'm a hater of anybody who has an OCD. <laughs> But Except no. that I've washed my hands 35 uh, times right, since, since we started. Yes. Um, no, I, I think you're, first of all, look, we don't know these people. And right. to some degree, you can always ask anybody who signed on the dotted line to be on a show where they're going to be filmed. Right. Um, that, you know, there's some part of you that wanted to play this out on, on uh, with cameras rolling. Right. So that is instantly <laughs> a, chink, <laughs> a, given. Right. a chink in their armor as I far agree. as I'm concerned. That said, people are unbelievably revealing when and what's when fascinating. When they're in a pod. <laughs> no, when they cannot be seen, when they're not being judged by their appearance. Well, is, is, the, is the thought like being in a confessional? It, Think about that. You only see the guy does, behind the kind of... It does feel that way. And it's very quick that these people start to reveal themselves in a way that, you know, some of them have game and they're trying to be charming and you can tell. And some of them become emotional about what they're talking about. I guess when you have nothing else to draw on, like the expression on your face or what you think your hair looks like, or granted, all of them are looking pretty good because they know they're being filmed right. also. Well, be, and there's also the casting process. Of course. Of these, these people shows. were put together for right. a reason. But um, I have watched many of them very quickly back to back, and I find it kind of fascinating. In the period of the first five to six days, not to give anything away, several of them become engaged. And... Once somebody proposes and the other person accepts the proposal, they see each other for the first time. And it's a it's a big reveal. And then what so why would somebody do this? They're just Correct. that desperate to get married. <laughs> really want to get married. It's hard and out there, Laura. It's hard for people. Out there. And it's also really hard. no no, a lot of people listen, the it's looks harder when you marry some fucking ugly person <laughs> that you met in a pod. <laughs> well, it just depends on where your values are. And clearly, <laughs> Laura, we so we know where yours are. Well, now. do they ask other like do they say, like, what's your financial situation? Like what, not what on they, camera. No. I haven't seen that yet. Okay. You you certainly so know it's what really they do. If you just like them? Like is No, they I, talk I, about how important family is to them. They okay. are they talk they Dan. listen. <laughs> some of them some of them keep things out. Some of them have I'm I shown sure. myself for yes. the shallow person? What do they look like and how much do they make? Correct. What else do I need to know? Swipe left. Guess what? You are not someone for this show. Right. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say you want to be on the show where I want to peel the onion a little more slowly. That's I want to see a tax return and a picture, and I'm good to go. Right. Right. This is for people who don't want that. And no, there's a balance. If you got a plane, you can be a little short. Put it that way. All right. Well, that's now we speaks, know. You know, listen, she's honest. She's honest. She's honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't help you because uh, this show is going to be about people that you don't necessarily know how much they make 
nor how the, yeah. what they look like. I'm out. But and I'll watch. I think yeah, it might be It is to very watch. interesting to watch, and we're not done with it yet. But anyway, this is something that my husband and I are now sort of obsessed with. And oddly enough, I've been trying to get my husband to go into couples therapy with me for 28 years, and he... Not into it, but um, watching couples therapy <laughs> on Showtime because yeah. of the atheism. Right. He doesn't believe in marriage, so what's the point in so trying to fix it? So what does he think about couples therapy? We watched that show yeah. on Showtime, and he was like, "Now we're for sure not going." <laughs> and by the way, I watched the show, so we're good, right? Yeah, we're, we're better good. Than I've learned so much people. from right. this woman. No, he loves that therapist so much. Yes. He's like, "Let's try to get an appointment with her." I'm like, <laughs> "You just want to meet her?" We also saw Cheer, which everyone's obsessed with. It's yes. like, "Let's Love get an show. appointment with her too." <laughs> I could. Um, so I've been watching a lot of doc series and a lot of, I guess. Well, Cheers, Cheer has kind of like a relationship component to it as well. And that goes back to the the question. <laughs> the show is about friendship. It's about, you know, all kinds of relationships, parenthood, yes. all of that. And I think Cheer is genius. Yes. it, it That show and what that that cheerleading group. Yes. And, and the coach. And the kind of family that they are able to create with totally. one another. And many times for those kids, out of a lack of a family situation mm-hmm, in real mm-hmm. life, it's so touching. Um, they're all so famous now that I wonder how it's going to impact the future of uh, that show. But um, that is a really worthwhile um, docu-series to watch. Um, Agreed. Scripted-wise, we binged uh, Succession. Mm-hmm. Fa- fascinating family show. Um, but, you know, we're not watching, with the exception of couples therapy, clearly we want to see things that are, you know, People who are worse off than we are right. is really the goal. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> um, nothing better to feel thin than to watch people who are Biggest way, loser. way yeah, more exactly. than you do. Yes. Obsessed with that show, by the way. Um, Did so, you, do you remember the show? And again, it was a long time ago, but it came on after The Bachelor, maybe before, called Who Wants to Marry My Dad? Mm. No. Oh, my God. This was such a good show. And this was kids that would like put it together their dad that there would be like a bachelor there was like three contestants or whatever that would come on it right. was kind of like the dating game but it didn't all happen on the stage it, and it was always like an older man like right. in his, right. you know 50s or 60s older <laughs> i mean at the, when i at was watching time, it in my yes. 30s i was like god they're so old there's did, such dads did it do multiple seasons because i don't remember yes, it it oh, did wow. it definitely okay. did do you remember the other fly show called uh are you hot or not? Yes. That was another one in the early I mean, days of reality. Seriously. I mean, th- we've really hit an all-time low. When it goes. And I'm a writer, too. I write for television. Like, I'm always trying to write scripted shows. I'm right. a, I write fiction, so I should watch a lot more of it. But I sort of escape from well, it but by then watching again, yes, reality. I, I get that. All right, let's talk about your Instagram bio. We see that you were supporting the Yes on Measure R movement in California. Yes, and it I passed. Was. It did pass. It, it was a landslide. <clears throat> Last and week. there was two really important important branches of that measure are. One of them had to do with sheriff oversight, which had to do with allowing a a civilian um, committee to hold accountable the sheriff's office, um, which for many years they had no real accountability. The other branch of this measure are had to do with jail um, reformation that we, you know, it's about care, not cages. And we in, in Los Angeles in particular have the record for the number of people that we incarcerate. And I, I really was joining a very large coalition of people who believe that there are so many other ways that we can a, rehabilitate. rehabilitate, talk about mental illness, talk about the homelessness problem. The answer to mental illness and homelessness is not incarceration. Right. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for them and it's not good for the taxpayer. How about we just ask Dan yeah. the All's Fair Interrogatories? Great idea. All right, Dan, I got a couple questions for okay. you. Are you ready? I can't wait. Um, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? 
Sure. Okay. I didn't ask you about God. I just no. wanted you to say it. Okay. I'll tell you the truth. Which relationship in your life has had the most profound impact? Uh, the one to my husband. Nice. Do you need elaboration? Not yeah. in this Beautiful. episode. I don't Excellent. think so. I think you've given us that. That's very. I, have. I would have been surprised if you would have said my mentor Stan Jennifer Rosenblatt. Lopez. <laughs> it's Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. What's your favorite love song? My favorite love song. I mean, it's really that's a tough one because there's so many. Yes, and I'm often drawn to really, really sad ones that are about hmm. breakups. I don't know why. But um, I love Killing Me Softly oh. is one of my favorite songs of all time. But Elton John's Your Song is also oh, one yes. of the most beautiful. Oh, Daniel, our stand editor, almost just burst into I mean, tears. how yes, wonderful life is with, with you in the world. world. Yes. That lyric Beautiful. is about everything. It's mm-hmm. about our children. It's about, it's just the greatest romantic lyric ever. But you know, he can't remember the eye color. There is that, which I've always found a little you know, you know, nothing is perfect. I know, Laura. I know, as you will learn from Love Is Blind, <laughs> and from The Baker and the Beauty, which is on that. You know, I'm actually Monday looking, nights, looking ABC, forward to a little bit more. Yes, um, very much looking forward to that. What's the one piece of advice that you'd share with? We can you can pick. It can either be your 20 something year old self going back in time, yes. or somebody that you are maybe mentoring who is in their 20s. No, I'm no, I don't know that person. Okay, let's talk about you. I would tell my 20 year old self. You're gay. <laughs> when Knock did, it off. When did you come out? Knock it off with these girls. When did you who come are out? either laughing at you behind your back because you are pretending to be something you're not, or you're dating them and they're like, "This is the worst guy ever." <laughs> um, I would tell my my 20 year old self that I mean, I would say it's so much better than you think. So just accept it and start having sex because your your days of sex are limited. Okay, I'm not just pandering to you, but if you had already been with Don for 12 years, by the time you got married, and t- when did you come out? How old are you? 70? I don't understand. I am 70. <laughs> you look I'm fantastic. I'm so glad. Thank you. I've had so much work done. <laughs> Guys, there will be pictures on the website, and you will see, and I will have links to my plastic surgeon. Was he the first man you were ever with? No, okay. but I did start early. I okay. mean, I came out... To my parents, let's say, which is a big move at 25. Like, Ay, Dios mío, oy vey. Yeah, oy vey, Dios mío. <laughs> Both those things got said. Um, and also lack of surprise, mm, literally. Right. I mean, really, anybody who with sight and, and hearing should have not been surprised when it all happened. But um, I came out at 25. I met Don when I was 27. Okay. So I didn't have a lot of, two years of playing sewing. around. Right. So I would probably tell my 20-year-old self, it's like, get going get because going. you're going to be bummed that you missed out. I love it. Okay. Aside from your new show, The Baker and the Beauty, yeah. just, just tell me what rom-com you could watch on repeat. Annie Hall. Mm. I mean, so great. That is definitely one of them. You know, one of the questions we should ask while you're thinking of another one, I think we should ask on the show, knowing what we know now about Woody Allen, does that change how we (laughs) feel about Woody Allen films? I was going to say that so many of my favorite rom-coms are Woody Allen films. Like Manhattan and Anna and Her Sisters and Annie Hall I could watch repeatedly. But yes, knowing what we know about him, it definitely changes the way you watch it. Um, How about Michael Jackson music? Oh, yeah, You have to change the interrogatories. Definitely hard. And uh, and to go back... to more classics. I mean, I just love The Apartment. Yes. One of the best rom-coms ever. And there's a lot of LGBT rom-coms, not just my own, All Over the Guy, which I, I stand behind, but um, a lot of them that are just so beautiful, My Beautiful Laundrette, yes. um, that you can watch repeatedly. Yes. And so you almost have to genre within the genre, mm-hmm. but those are some of the titles. I like it. 
Dan, this is awesome. Thank you for joining Johnny and me today on All's Fair. Thank you. You guys, The Baker and the Beauty premieres Monday, April 13th on ABC, 10 p.m., 9 central. Check it out. And Dan, where can people find you online and social media? I'm uh, at Dan Bukatinsky on Instagram and at Dan Bukatinsky on Twitter. Okay. And my, or my website, danbukatinsky.com. And also check out Who Do You Think You Are? On NBC, which we don't have a premiere date yet, but it will be later this year. Goodbyes. Bye. And thank, thank you guys thank so you. much. Great meeting you. You too.